Hello, and welcome to the Coral Catalog Podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. I hope that through this podcast, you can find choral repertoire that works for your high school and or middle school choruses. This is episode 17, and I'll be talking to Sarah Cortell about her piece, Sing My Child, which is available for SATB, SSAA, and TTBB. Canadian composer and educator Sarah Cortell is known for her fresh and exciting approach to choral music. Deeply inspired by the life-changing relationships that can occur while making choral music, Sarah writes in a way that connects singer to singer, ensemble to conductor, and performer to audience. Her works are performed by choirs across the world, and she has been commissioned by groups including the American Choral Directors Association, the National Children's Chorus of the United States of America, and New Dublin Voices. Since 2018, she has been exclusively published by Oxford University Press, and she continues to work as a clinician and conductor at music education and choral events at home and abroad. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Sarah Cortell about Sing My Child. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Choral Catalog. My name is Matthew Van Dyke, and I am the host. Today, I am so excited to be joined by composer Sarah Cortell. We're going to talk today about her piece, Sing My Child. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks, Matthew. All right, so before we jump into the musical stuff, uh, I'm gonna, I, I would love our listeners to get to know you in a very wacky, weird way. So uh, <laughs> let's do some would you rather questions. So the first question that I have for you is, would you rather have, uh, be forced to use no shampoo or no toothpaste for the rest of your life? Oh, no shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> I like my pearly whites, pearly white. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Next one. Would you rather have to endure hiccups all day or would you rather laugh at completely random times? I think I already laugh at completely random times. I think that's I've definitely uh, been told before when I used to be a teacher. Oh, Miss Cortell, you, sh- you should be a comedian. You're so funny. Yeah. So I, I think the, the laugh at random times, I'd pick that. <laughs> yeah. You could just never go to any show uh, or, you know, movie that that is, you know, like a horror movie Ooh. of any kind. You could never go because yeah. you'd laugh in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. Ruin the moment for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The last one I have for you is would you rather see into the past or see into the future oh that's a tricky one I think I'd 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 see into the past I'm a look back kind of person you know see the people that I love see the people that I miss because if I think if I looked in the future I'd 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 want to change what I do now you know I'd just like to let that happen and enjoy it as it comes excellent wonderful (laughs) All right, let's pivot just a little bit and uh, let's get to know you and your musical side. Um, So who is another choral composer who you feel you are influenced by in some way? Well, I I grew up singing in choir since I was very small. So I have have sung so much over my life and I I, I think I have so many influences. It's hard to pick pick one, but I, I think particularly of listening to the King Singers when I was a kid and listening to groups like Rioton and Anuna and Vachis Eight and all of these really exceptional, either small small group chamber choirs or small a cappella ensembles. And that sound has really influenced me. Um, so I would say, you know, thinking of Rioton, Mia Makarov, who wrote Butterfly for Rioton, her music has been hugely influential and, um, and the colors found in her work have, have really inspired me. That's great. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't know that 
group. I, I, oh, from other Finland. Ones, oh yeah. yeah I, I feel like I have seen a video pop up, but I don't know them as yeah. well as a Vochese or, you know, yeah. or a King singer. So yeah, I'll, have to I'll really, send you some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah please do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's so cool. Um, okay. Uh, this is the last one kind of about you and then we'll pivot and talk about your, uh, your piece. Um, so what is, uh, and this is an impossible question. Um, so get ready. I'm going to ask a couple of them. Um, but <laughs> what is one piece of choral music that you couldn't live without? What's your desert Island piece of choral music? Uh, my desert Island choral. You know what? I've been asked this quite a bit in the past year and it's always the same It's Foray's Requiem. There, there's always something I find. I learn something every time I listen to it. The, the melodies are exquisite. The setting of text is, is really, um, I have a lot to learn from that. And, and it's, it's, I think it's a piece I couldn't live without. Yeah. I love that. I have not gotten that one yet. So that's really exciting. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Very dramatic. I just love, I love, I love how dramatic oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. All right. So at this point, let's do another pivot and let's uh, start to chat about Sing My Child. And now a snippet of Sing My Child by Sarah Cortell, performed by Cantorai and conducted by Joel Rinsema.
Sing My Child is voiced. Uh, there's three different voicings. Is that correct, Sarah? It's S A T B S S A A and a new T T B B that I think has has kind of just appeared. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm gonna try and see if I if we can maybe go back and forth between some of them and some of these questions. But I think. Sure. Uh, a lot of them are a lot of my questions are pretty general um, to the composition itself. So when did you write? Uh, when did you write this piece? At least, did, which one came first? Was it the SATB? Yeah, the SATB came first, which is not not always the case in my catalog. I grew up singing um, in in treble choirs almost exclusively, so a lot of my my most popular repertoire was originally written for treble choirs, um, and then when when other uh, directors asked if if they could have it for their choirs too. I did branch out and 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 look at different voicings, but this one, "Sing My Child," was originally written for SATB, and I wrote it in um, in 2016 for this this large choral festival in Powell River, British Columbia, and and it was a choral festival where there were going to be choirs. Um, from all over the world coming to sing together, or people of different ages, different backgrounds. And I really wanted to write something that had um, sort of this universal appeal, this universal message that although singers were coming together that didn't know each other, they, they could really bond over a piece that hopefully they, they could all see themselves in and, and see their lives in as well. So um, did you, uh, did they commission you to write this or was this a competition of some kind or? Yeah, it was a commission. Um, and, and, you know, when I, when I write, I'm, I write pretty much only by commission these days. I love that because this relationship grows of getting to know who you're writing for and thinking of them and, and, and really wanting to craft something that is a good match. And, and that's something that I really focus on when I'm, I'm commissioning. And with this piece, it wasn't for one choir. You couldn't just listen to their sound and get to know their spirit and their voice. It was this collection of people. I think it was about, my goodness, probably over 400 people that ended up singing the premiere. So you also have to think, okay, when you're writing for that large number, a mass choir piece, uh, what musical things do I have to take into mind to ensure that it's 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 engaging, but it works when you've got a choir that large, um, and and so um, knowing who this was for um, really influenced a lot of the the musical decisions that I made in the piece. Yeah, definitely. Probably how attain you have to think about how attainable it is for all different kinds of musical oh, yeah. levels potentially too and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, I see, uh, based on the score, that you wrote the the words and the music to this. So how did, um, can you kind of take us through where you started with maybe what came first, the words, the music, the, the what was the kernel that kind of started the ball, mm -hmm. the snowball into the avalanche? Yeah, and the kernel is, that's it for me. When I'm writing a piece, I need that little hook. I need that little bit of inspiration, something that gets me going. Um, and, and with this piece, it was that first seven, eight, da, 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 da. I was out in the garden. You know, sometimes, you know, when I get that writer's block and you're being cerebral and you're thinking and you're trying to come up with something, I just have to stop and go do something physical, whether it's go for a walk, go for a drive, um, sit 
out in my backyard. And with this one, I was out digging in the garden. I think I'd planted way too many tomatoes that year. And I was out battling the tomato vines in my, <laughs> my big property and just, just singing um, in, in the garden. And I came up with this little seven, eight lick. I thought, that's it. And so I rushed back into the house, wrote it down. And um, it was that one little bit of music that came first. Now I, I have a, I've been writing music since I was very young and I've always studied classical music, but as a, uh, as a teenager, um, I wrote a lot of songs that I performed myself, voice and piano, singer, songwriter stuff. And so I have this history of, of writing um, in sort of like a more pop music, folk music uh, process as well. And, and not, not every piece I write, in fact, very few pieces I write these days, I actually write the words for myself. But in the case of Sing My Child, I wrote the text myself. And so the process of, of, of music and text was much like you know, when I used to write songs for myself, you sit down on the piano, you, you come across something that you really like, you you search for a little bit of text, and then, oh my goodness, this works. And and the, the really exciting part about being composer of both words and music is sometimes the words can give a little bit for the music, the music can give a little bit for the words, and, and you hope to come up with something that's this, this really strong um, marriage of words and and music that just go together so well. So this piece, yeah, I started with that little lick and then I, I wrote the text um, pretty much fully after that and then went back and, and wrote the rest of the piece musically, yeah. Do you find that you're um, in your uh, kind of singer songwriter or even in the, in the choral sense that you are a really um, methodical person? Do you, do, you, do you give yourself kind of a schedule of I'm gonna write four measures a day or i'm gonna write the refrain of this or the first two pages or are you kind of a brain dump kind of person that's like i'm I, i've got it and i'm gonna i'm just gonna keep going <laughs> a bit of both <laughs> i have worked really hard you know because this is my this is my job this is my love my composing choral music but it's also my job and so i have to schedule my nine to five kind of kind of thing and those are those are my hours but there are, are nine to five days when nothing happens and nine to five days when suddenly you have seven pages and you're wondering where on earth did that come from um so i think with this one this was this was a bit more brain dump kind of piece and that i had that one little lick just i was really inspired by it and then i got the idea of the text um, that we it kind of parallels the times of day, sing in the morning, um, and then you go to the daytime, you go dance in the day, laugh in the evening, and, and peace in the night. So you've got that pattern all the way through. And once I kind of hooked onto that pattern in the text, I was able to find the pattern in the, the structure of the work, kind of an A, B, verse, chorus sort of thing, and uh, put it all together from there. What I think is so interesting is that your first lick is in mixed meter. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm always so fascinated. I say this on a couple of different episodes is that I'm, I'm a big mixed meter guy. So as soon as, as soon as it happens, I'm already hooked. I'm like, Ooh, Oh, what's going to happen now? And I think, <laughs> so I think it's, I think it's so interesting that your first kernel was the mixed meter rather than, you know, I, I almost, I almost thought that was going to be the text and you said, okay, how am I going to prose this in yeah. and whatnot? So the fact okay. is it mixed meter is very interesting to me. Well, and because I sang it, right it was like a little improv that I was doing myself. And so 
I didn't think, okay, I'm going to write in seven, eight now. It just, you're just singing and it feels very natural. So I think when singers come to this piece, the seven, eight won't be daunting because if you listen to it, if you feel it, if you sing it through, it's not an unapproachable seven, eight, even though it might look a little terrifying <laughs> at first, it doesn't feel terrifying in the body. It's very, very singable and, and comfy. Yeah, I think that this is one of those pieces that the ink looks scarier than the than the sound of it. There we uh, go. Yeah, <laughs> there are lots of recordings out there to take the sting away from looking at the ink. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's do a, a little bit of a pivot in our conversation and let's kind of look a little bit more um, under the microscope a little bit. And when I say that, I say it as a as a director um, in, you know, that I'm choosing to um, as I look through the the plethora of music out there, I come across Sing My Child or the directors out there come across it. And um, and I like to think of the music that I'm looking at as what is the concept that this that this could teach my singers and not it sounds good or yeah. it's 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 just cool or something like that or it's in minor. Or, you know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So what what are the what are kind of the the more musical isms, musical concepts that this piece could teach our singers really well? I think that the first thing that that jumps out of, off the page is just looking at the the structure of the piece. It's very clear when you move from one formal block to the next. Um, you start in your seven eight, and it's got this light dancing main melody, which I call the A section or the verse. And as you move through through the piece, you know you suddenly you land on this strong three four section. So that's very clearly a B section or a chorus section. So when we're we're challenging our singers to think about you know um, the formal structure of a piece as we're as we're looking at it too, because it helps with memorization, right? It helps with knowing where you're going. It helps keep the the singers engaged and grounded in the piece when you know where you've been where you're going and you have you know sometimes those little labels that that conductors will help students put the a the b the length etc on the page great teachable moments but also exceptional for performance you know to help you get to that memorized um, comfortable spot so that's the first thing that Kind of jumps out to me. Um, there are there are many moments where where all voices sing the same text in the same rhythm. So there's lots of opportunity for you know of course vowel match between parts. Um, really being attentive to to consonants for cutoffs um, and that that really cohesive sound together. Um, there's also a moment where where the tenors and basses have an ostinato. So what a great, you know, just just, you know, musical technical terms that we all want to just sort of throw into rehearsals. I remember when I used to be an elementary school uh, music teacher, we did lots of work with ostinati because I did ORF and Kodai training and I write ostinato on, on the chalkboard. That's when I taught chalkboard. Um, and it said, you know, it starts with O, ends with O over and over. And it was this, this awesome link for kids and then to, to actually sing an ostinato and see how the an ostinato can function while stuff is still changing around the ostinato it doesn't mean everything sounds the whole the same the whole time but all these these you know kind of more advanced concepts that might be harder to teach in a choral rehearsal because you have so much content to get through on the page um, to actually do 
elements of music in a choral rehearsal isn't always the easiest thing, but I think there are there are a few of them sort of tucked in this piece. Yeah. I love that. I I I absolutely just love the character difference that exists between mm-hmm. your A section and your B section. Um, it's just so I, I I'm I love that kind of thing that you get to have really rhythmic, really um I don't want to use the I, I I want to make sure that I'm I'm very specific about the word because there's legato in both of these capacities mm-hmm. um, or both of these situ or both of these um, excuse me structures um, but uh, but there's a very different type of legato I think in B um, if if you can kind of subset legato I don't I don't I don't know if that exists but um, <laughs> but it's so. very but it's very uh, it, it's a I think what I like about this is that you can tell that there is different character. You can tell that there is different, um, that the words reflect the mood that they are, that they are specifically trying to address, you know, that there's so much percussive element. There's so much verb action. I think in a, um, -hmm. you know, sing dance that it's very, it's very kind of, you know, um, it requires the body. It feels a little bit more, um, uh, jovial, I think, in the beginning, and where the B is more poignant, I think, in the text, where this is something you really need to hear, rather than the other parts, not that they don't need to be heard, but they're more interactive, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, yeah, it does, and I and I think when you talk about that B section, it becomes that more reflective, rather than mm-hmm. that, that, that active outward, that, that, that saying to to that child, dance my child, saying to yourself, dance my child. And then in the B section, we get this sort of reflective part, but when troubles come and worry is all that can be found, gather your strength and hear your voice. That sort of uh, affirmative call to, to um, um, move forward and, and find that, that strength in, in times of trouble. Yeah, I, did, I, I think, I, I, I absolutely love that. I, I think my favorite part about this whole piece besides the mix meter is, mm-hmm. is the fact that there is so that every single action has a specific, um, there's a specific ism to it. You know, I see that I just turned to kind of the page six aspect when you have this piece in the stillness and everything is static on the bottom and, uh, and you have the laugh that there's much more in the tenor and bass ostinato. And, and so that, those are the kind of things that I think for those singers that it, I think it in your choir, it will, it will appeal to so many people. You get those people that are very cerebral and they'll notice that you get those people that are, you know, that really like the rhythmic kind of thing. And so you're, you're, you're touching on all of that. I, I know that kind of wasn't a musical ism that, this piece has, but it also is embedded in it, I think in some way, which, which I think a lot of singers will enjoy. Um, can I ask you one question before I want to pivot back for a second? Sure. Um, I forgot in the beginning, can you kind of go through maybe your idea in how this, in, in how you came to those solos, are they supposed to be mom and dad in a, in mm. a sense? I hadn't thought of that. That's a really interesting thought. Um, not necessarily. I, I think it was just, you know, sometimes the all the encouragement we need to remember to take care of ourselves or to see the beauty in the world around us is, is one voice saying it. And sometimes just a friend, a, a single voice saying, geez, did you see the sunrise today? It was gorgeous. It causes you to 
look up and look around you and see the beauty in the world around you when you might have been looking down and feeling really isolated and alone. So um, one thought might be is that we have the soprano leading, sing for the promise in each new morning, and then the, the tenor joining, sing for the hope in a new day dawning. And it's these sort of these leaders that are looking up and, and seeing the beauty all around um, uh, before the choir comes in. Um, and I mean, musically, when you, you go from that solo to a duet, you're building texture um, and you're building volume. And all of a sudden, when you come in with that forte two at the top of page three when you have all the choir singing it's got this really large landing effect and then we actually have a hand drum a, a djembe or um, starting at that moment too so it's got a really um, just sort of strong here we go starting moving forward there yeah it's very it's very kind of um, uh, I, I I feel like there's so much of this that um, is is reminiscent and and symbiotic with um the oh goodness it just escaped me um oh man this is bad um it takes a village the joan oh yeah joan shimko yeah, yeah the joan shimko yeah uh, that yeah, yeah. uh it, there's thank I, you I, that's a lovely compliment <laughs> yeah, i love that piece but that's I, a stunning I, I, work I, yeah. there are so many i think things that that overlap um but what mm. i think yours is it, i mean obviously very two different very very different compositions um mm -hmm. but they share some some emotion and some um uh advice i think in that um but i think yours is so interesting in the in the um corral kind of section in the middle that's so mm -hmm. so brilliantly beautiful um okay let's kind of pivot back sorry i forgot about that and i wanted to make sure that i asked that question because sure. as soon as i saw it at first i was like this feels kind of you know like you know maternal and paternal and then village like yeah. and so um that's okay great. i have handed this piece to my singers or you know you have done you are doing it with an honor choir or clinic or whatever it might be um this is the first time that singers are seeing your piece as the director where do we start what do you think is the part that's going to hook these singers what's going to be the um the uh the kind of the thing that makes our singers when they leave the rehearsal say oh i hope that we do sing my child tomorrow hmm. i think it's the same thing that hooks me it's just just the opening seven eight Sing for the promise in each new morning. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is a teach it off the page. Maybe it's teach everybody the melody line um, off the page. And so you're, you're feeling the seven, eight, you're moving, you're feeling the energy of it first before you then say, all right, now we're going to the page and we're seeing where the parts um, are separate um, and what it looks like. Because we did talk about that seven, eight, you know, the ink looking a little more daunting. It's particularly when you're working with um, um, high school singers who, who maybe don't read as, as strong as, 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 um, uh, you know, other choirs, um, to, to have a little bit in the ear, in the body first before diving to the page, um, would, I think it would help it, it be learned faster and also, um, cause you could sing it up to, to speed if it's a call and response sort of thing. And that would kind of get the energy going too. I totally agree. I, I, yeah. I think that, this um i keep i feel like i keep coming back to like this feels very very villagey south african mm. folk songy and mm. kind of thing that um I, I think i'm a big person i'm a, i'm a big proponent of starting on the alto line 
or like yeah. if there is, you know, if there's a SSA piece or even an SA piece, I have all of my students learn the alto part. Even and if it's if it's homorhythmic, it's even it's even better um, because I've now taught rhythm and the alto part together. Mm -hmm. um, and so then the soprano part. When I say, all right, now you guys read yours. They have a they have a um, they have a foothold that they can at least grab the next rung onto. Um, so I think in the SATB version. Uh, I almost might even start with the bass because the bass is pretty is, you know, is so is kind of yeah. two notes for the first, you know, good chunk of it, except for the all around so on and so forth. Um, I think that's that's a that's a proponent or that's a that's a direction I think I would go with the yeah. and it's such in the vein of what you just said start with the melody start with the you know you're really you're really teaching rhythm in that mm -hmm, as, and, mm -hmm. and uh so I think it depending on your readers I think I might even start with the baseline or yeah. um I think in the uh SSAA version it, it mimics it I want to say it's in the alto one part I don't know if I'm I don't have it in bass. front of me to yeah, know, know you're probably right in front of me yeah. as well um but that kind of thing start with you've talked a lot about ostinato and this yeah that could be that and you've all you've automatically taught a couple pages um in the ostinato as well yeah um yeah. so that's just something to add um i think i was i think i was right on your page as well absolutely yeah um the next question i have for you has to, comes kind of with a disclaimer um every choir <laughs> is different every choir yeah. they're literacy ability is different their background is different their um preconceived notions to certain styles are are you know to be considered um so that's the disclaimer to my next question but um in this piece whether you've heard it performed or whether you have taught it yourself in a specific choir that you work with i think in a lot of pieces there um there are pitfalls that most singers fall into or, um, you know, by piece, or it could be in general as a choral singer. Um, but in this piece, what are some pitfalls that we could encounter that you have seen over and over potentially? And what are some kind of ways that maybe we can circumvent that? Um, maybe some flashing yellow signs before we get to the stop sign, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there's 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 opportunity for things to be clipped in, in certain in certain parts when when you think about um, I guess. OK, well, let me let me back up a bit. What I've done in, in the writing of of the melody and, and basically, you know, when we have all the parts singing together is I've I've notated the breath marks in the form of just putting in a rest. So it's it's guiding uh, singers where to breathe, but also then when you see uh, a rest and know that is your breath, sometimes the the gut is to clip, hick, da 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 da. You know, it can it can rush and it can get clipped. So, um, although it is fast, although it is lively, there is it's 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 how you said before. It's like, can we qualify legato? You know, can we sing to the end of the note? Can we breathe together? Can there be some sort of, you know, when you think of breathing lower in the body rather than from the chest and up. It is a collective breath. It is a slower breath. Uh, it doesn't necessarily take down the tempo of the piece, but it, it does not become a moment to, to rush or to cut the end of, of a note off. Um, another thing to that, that could, I think is, is maybe not a, a pitfall, but just something to be attentive to is that 
the, the structure of the piece, the, the moments of, of height and, and moments of, of extreme legato, the dynamics really mirror that. And so um, in, in moments where um, we come all the way down to a piano, it's important. It's, it would be easy to keep this piece loud and all the time because it has such a driving forward rhythm and it's it's so buoyant and and fluid um but really working on um dynamic contrast can be a great teaching tool attention to those dynamic for the singers um, but also really really help with um giving that piece a sense of, of rise and fall and sense of climax and and all of those things that's wonderful. I think that this question and the first question I asked about kind of musical concepts that it teaches, they they work hand in hand together, I think a yeah. little bit. And so to your point about notating those breaths and full breath and 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 so that that to me translates to, well, this could be a good piece that if your singers are taking those clavicular fast breaths, then maybe mm -hmm. this is going to be one that forces them to take a diaphragmatic breath a full sound in a short amount of time um yeah. and so and it because it happens so many times otherwise i you know by measure 19 they're hyperventilating yeah, so, yeah for sure um, so that's that might be that's a i think a teaching ism that that could work mm -hmm. um also what i what I think is important about this piece too, and it goes along with what you're saying about really taking breaths and the notation and whatnot, is that this piece is not, it's not two bar phrases. They're yeah. really four bar phrases and a, and a, and a five bar phrase with the, re, with the repetition of sing my child, sing my child. So, um, I would, so this is probably a good piece to also think about, even though you're taking a breath, you're also thinking over the bar line. You're also, yes. you're also singing through the rest, which I know is a, is, is a tricky thing, um, as a choral singer, um, because the breath seems like a break in the phrase, but it doesn't have to be a break in the phrase. Um, so that's just, a, I think another thing that I'm just translating from your tips and tricks. Mm -hmm, kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think it, this also in the second thing that you said about dynamic contrast, I mean, I, I touched on it also with the, there's different characterisms to this piece. You know, there is the village that speaks. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to take my own thing and go with it. Uh, with but there's it. the village that speaks. And then there is this very reflective, maybe this is outside the village and they're speaking to the child. And then maybe this is in the home or something like that mm -hmm. in this B section that is only between the parents or between the close family or so, something of that sense. That's so lovely. You, you have to think about the characterism that exists. Otherwise, like you yeah. like you said, it just becomes this big boy, buoyant, you know, um, sound. And I, and I think you have to, you have to use the character of choral music and the, and, you know, the dynamics do that in a lot of sense. And I think there's lots of opportunity for text painting, you know, in, in companion mm. with, with the dynamics that really, really looking at the text. And if you're the kind of, of conductor that wants to give a piece of music to, to kids that doesn't just meet their, their musical, technical musical needs, but also, you know, talking about that, that social emotional piece too, and how that might, might marry with the music and how we as musicians look at the emotional content of a piece and can bring it to life for ourselves and for the audience. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's opportunity in here for that too. 
I'm so glad you spoke on that. That's that's a that's a really really big thing right now for our yeah. you know for our middle school and and high school age singers and even college. Um, but I can only speak on the high school and middle um, because I see them. So uh, I think that's a really big concept to address, and I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, okay, this is kind of the last question I have about Sing My Child, even though I would love to just keep talking about it and because <laughs> I love it. Um, Thanks. Uh, but it's another impossible question. Dun dun dun. Um, so. <laughs> What is your favorite thing about Sing My Child? So not impossible. It's actually very easy. <laughs> I have one moment on the last page, page eight. Laugh, my child. It's this part where we've got this lovely clash and we haven't had a lot of dissonance in the harmonic language of this piece so far. Um, but we've got this that final chorus and we've got E flats in the lower voices. We've got an F and a G and a B flat in the upper voices. And there's this juicy couple of moments where the sopranos are at, uh, in their higher range, the tenors are in their higher range, the, the basses are in a place where they can really give her, and the, the, the altos, and there's a little soprano split there just for a brief moment. Um, everybody's in a spot in their range, which allows them to shine, get this bright color, this strong color, and that dissonance that kind of breaks through the fabric there before we come right down to a subito piano. It's my favorite moment. And I, I actually had somebody very early on in, in this piece say, oh, I think you should consider changing those notes in there. The dissonance just feels a little jarring. And I, I, had to, I smiled because it, it's just my favorite moment in the piece. And whenever I hear it still, I get the, I get the little goosebumps. And um, yeah, so yeah, not a difficult question. That's, that's, that's my favorite moment, Matthew. <laughs> Excellent. Easy peasy. Done. Cut Easy print. peasy. Yeah. <laughs> I think the I think our students will also really like that. It's it is not a um eight part ridiculous chord. You know, it is no. it is attainable, you know, by I mean so much of it is it's stepwise. So that is gratifying and um shame on that person. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that's, I feel like in these, in the interviews that I have, it's these things will happen and then they'll trigger something else and whatnot. Um, but so much of this is so tonal. I mean, there's one accidental, it's an E flat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and that's something that you could teach if, you know, I've, I've talked about in a couple interviews that I'm, I'm just a big solfege person. Um, I think we, we have to teach our students literacy. And if solfege yes. is the way to go, then great. If it's numbers, then great. But you, you have to be teaching your students to be independent musicians. And this is a great piece that tonally is really good for your students. Um, if regardless of their ability, you know, even if they're, I, I, I see this piece and I think about, you know, um, my second year at my school and I had 11 tenors and basses and they were really struggling to separate their parts. They were really kind of blending into each other because they had been used to SAB music because I had 11 of them. Um, and some were still having troubles with pitch matching and whatnot, but I see this piece and I immediately think of that group of students that this could have been attainable for them because wow. the bass part is not in the ground the whole time. I, I mean, there are, I think four G's or F's in the entire thing. It's a lot of F, B flat, C on the strongest part of our harmonic progression, the one, the four and the five. So, mm -hmm. and 
nine and they don't even get an E flat until that part that you're talking about. And it's supported in the tenor in octaves. So I think developmentally, this is just a win in so many capacities for so many different musical ability levels in your ensembles. Um, so I, I would encourage listeners out there that are listening to this. Um, it took me a while to find this one, but now that I found it, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to preach on this small hill <laughs> about how great this piece is developmentally liter, you know, for your literacy, for your emotion, for there's so many different things that we can touch on. So I know I, I took my train real far down the track on that one, but, uh, but it's so uh, important that we are teaching our students literacy. And this is, this is a win that you could get um, because it's, it is repetitive and it's attainable. Um, but there is, there are those interesting moments like your favorite part um, that exist mm -hmm. in the piece. Thank you. That's yeah. lovely. Thanks. So um, as we kind of wrap up our interview tonight, um, these next two questions are really kind of about you and the future. Um, so mm -hmm. are there any future projects um, could be commissions, could be, uh, I don't know, any any of the projects that are on the horizon that yeah. you want to share with our listeners and that uh, make you excited and could make us excited to come follow along with you? Well, I've, I've been so inspired by connecting with, with people over Zoom during the last you know year and a half that it's inspired me to do more, more uh, guest appearances, workshops and clinics. So I'm, I'm starting to branch out and, and visit high school choirs and visit community choirs um, to talk about um, my, my music and, and, and to, to really, you know, one of my, my big focuses too is, is music as, as a form of self-care with our young singers, which, you know, now and going forward, I think is, is hugely important. So um, a lot of the music I am writing these days, including commissions, um, hopefully coming to uh, prominent uh, American concert halls in the next, next couple of years, um, uh, as well as some recording projects, really focus on, on music with a, with a with this undercurrent of self-care just did a, a recording of a piece called that i wrote called ripple effect with the avanti chamber chorus from um niagara region in canada and it it it's a text combination of words by Mother Teresa and Hildegard von Bingen about, you know, what we feel might only we do is these good deeds we do. It, it may only feel like it's a drop in the ocean, but that drop becomes a ripple and, and who knows the good that can be accomplished when we just put one, one good deed forward. So um, that recording should be coming out um, in uh, the spring of 2022, followed with a video and so that's that's a project that I'm 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 really excited about. But just this idea of continuing to connect with with people online and in person, that's going to be hopefully take up more of my time in the next couple of years. Excellent, love that. Yeah. So the last question I have for you tonight is: How can our listeners get in touch with you to do just those things that you talked about? You know, the Zoom uh, guest appearances and the commissions and all those things. How, how, where um, can they find you and how can they, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. My website is sarahcortel.com. So you're welcome to look me up and there's a way you can email me directly on my website. I will always, always, always respond. I get notes from high school students saying that, hey, Ms. Q, we're studying this piece and I'd like to know about this. And I just love that. So anybody is more than welcome to be in touch with me. And I regularly do, do Zoom visits with, with choirs all over the place. And so I'd love to support 
um, choral conductors, teachers, singers in, in any way I can. So that's through my website, but also my music is published exclusively with Oxford University Press. So um, you can get my stuff pretty much at, at uh, any music retailer locally, should you want to see, see scores. Excellent. Uh, well, Sarah, I want to take just another opportunity to say thank you so very much for talking to me and uh, for letting us just know a little bit more, not only about you, but about Sing My Child. I uh, probably beat it to death how I just am <laughs> so, I'm just, I'm into this song right now a lot. Uh, and I, I, um, I'm looking forward for, I'm looking forward to an opportunity that I get to uh, teach this to a group. Um, and uh and kind of really start to to see the inner mechanism of how a choir works in it uh you know score study is is score study but i it's we're really we really you know start to click in when a choir sings it um but i just want to again say thank you for talking to me tonight and writing this piece and uh and letting us know just a little bit more about it absolute pleasure thank you so much matthew thanks so much for listening to the choral catalog and i hope you enjoyed my conversation with sarah cortell Please make an effort to explore more of Sing My Child and Sarah's other compositions to see if any can fit into your programs or curriculums. While you're here, take a second to hit that subscribe button and follow the Choral Catalog so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Let me know what you thought of the show too by writing a review. And most importantly, share this resource with other choral directors and choral lovers. We work better when we work together. Again, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode of the Choral Catalog.